Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jan Vertonghen with a thumping volley. And he waits right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. The Tottenham captain delivers what his team really needed it. Eriksen. Just it. Brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Eriksen. Gabriele to finish Arsenal off. The song. And welcome back to this week's edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Probably, I'm going to say this on record, one of the most difficult shows we've had to record on the back of that defeat to Leicester. The manner of it, the performance, maybe question a lot of things in terms of the manager, the players' commitment, all covered during this show. Delighted to have alongside me, as usual, Jason McGovern. Joining us on this week's Last Word on Spurs, we're delighted to hand out two debutants to the show. First up, Pleased to give a debut to Talia Corrin, massive Tottenham Hotspur fan from Essex. And also joining Talia and Jace, we also have football Spurs content creator, George Achillia. We'll be looking back at that Leicester game, discussing Maurizio Pochettino's future, questioning some of the players' commitment and also looking ahead to Colchester United to come in what now seems to be a huge game for the club on Tuesday night. Enjoy the show and hopefully that bit of therapy you need. Jace, I'm going to start with you first to dissect this game or attempt to. No doubt the VAR decision completely changed the game for Tottenham Hotspur and gave all the momentum to Leicester City. However, the end result, Jace, will show Spurs' mental fragility at the moment in the team to be leading to another game 
and not be able to see the match out. What did you make of that result at the King Power on Saturday? The first thing to say is that whilst, whilst it changed the momentum, we can't forget that it changed momentum in our favour in the first half. Because, you know, they had one, all right, quite rightly disallowed, but, you know, that, that one went to VAR and, and nobody complained about the momentum changing. But I thought, in isolation, I didn't think it was as bad as, as other performances. I thought there was... There was a lot of good things in it. There was a lot of bad things as well, but we, I thought we looked like we created chances. We looked like we were playing on the front foot. There was closing down going on. I thought Harry Winks covered every blade. You know, there was a lot of, of good things about the performance, um, but ultimately, it's you can't look at it in isolation when it's what? It's nine away games without a win, and it's what, five Premier League wins in 20. So you've now got to start looking at it in the context of thinking there's there's some serious problems, as we as we alluded to on Thursday. And um, I don't want to call out individual blame on a player, um, but the, the, um, the decision to bring Victor Wanyama on. Victor Wanyama, I don't think, performed badly. I think Victor Wanyama performed at the level he's only now capable of. I mean, it wasn't a surprise to see him get booked and, and be at fault for goals. But my worry would be my worry would be that we've gone to a game like that with with Wanyama, Dyer and Skip on the bench and you think under what circumstances are all three of those players going to be needed to come on? So why why couldn't Delhi have taken one of those slots? But when you've got Eric Dyer at the club that used to be one of his generals if you like um and was was always a Pochettino favorite and we we haven't read there's any problem with Eric Dyer there was no contractual dispute there was no no demand to leave or anything like that so he sits on the bench and you bring on a player that you've actively been trying to sell and you know was negotiating with Bruges and I think what kind of message does that send to Eric Dyer and Oliver Skip on the bench so they must be thinking huh why is he coming on in front of us so it's it's little things like that, that that at the moment you have to apply to the the run that we're on and think something is seriously going wrong here. Mm. George, we're delighted to have you on to make your debut. We wish we could have given it to you under better circumstances. I mean, the game itself, George, it was all about momentum. Two VR decisions, the latter one set to raise plenty of questions. But for you, you was there on Saturday. What did you make of the overall game? Tell us. Well, to be honest, like like you said, with the momentum change, it happens with the fans as well. Like it was just so frustrating having celebrating about three minutes and then waiting another three, four, five minutes for a decision to change. And then it all goes downhill and then they go and score at the other end. And I think like you said as well, like some of the changes in certain players, like when Yama coming on and instantly pretty much giving the ball away for their goal. Um, it was kind of like a big like kick in the teeth, to be honest with you. And it was a bit frustrating to watch because I, I did think we played a lot better than we did against teams like Newcastle um, and even Olympiacos, to be honest with you. It was, it was in parts, had better performances, but... How many times are we going to throw away a lead now? It's just it's just getting frustrating that we yeah. can't see out games like City have been doing, like um, Liverpool have been doing. Like people, team, these kind of teams go for the jugular and finish teams off. We seem to be too far too often going one nil up, two nil up, thinking that's it, we're cruising, and then the game just gets switched around like that. That's the thing. If we was just on a normal run of form and you lost that, you'd think, Do you know what, we play pretty well, we've got caught out, move on to the next game. But but you're right, it's now. You have to now put it in the context of the run that we're on, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was, I was saying that as well about the whole general start to our season. That one Newcastle result pretty much 
changed everyone's opinion on it because normally an away draw to um, City and away draw to Arsenal would be all in all decent results considering that we've beaten Villa, beaten Palace. But losing to Newcastle, now losing to Leicester has changed that totally and it's gone from being a, a, a good start to a bad one. It's fair, isn't it? Let's bring Talia in. Talia, we are pleased to have you on to make your debut. I said the same thing to George. I wish it was under better circumstances. Fraser <laughs> says here, Talia, that this is Tottenham 2.0, the painful rebuild. We need to be patient. Maybe this season is a write-off. We need to focus on cups and next season. The likes of Eriksen, Rose, Vertonghen, Toby will be gone next year to be replaced by La Celso, Sessignon, Foyf, Sanchez, Skip. Just tell us, Talia, to go back to that Leicester game. What did you make of that overall result? What's your feeling at the moment where things are going? I mean, overall, there's just a very, very negative cloud around Spurs, the fans, the staff, all the interviews, everything. I think the result is obviously extremely frustrating. And as the other guy said, we generally didn't play that badly. Like I thought the first half was a really good half of football. Both sides wanted and took their chances and it was generally quite enjoyable. But the second half, we looked like a different side again, which goes back to last season when we just couldn't play two halves of football. But we just we threw away another lead and this time we got zero points. You know, the other games where we have done that, we have ended up on a draw, which always feels like a loss. But this generally was a loss. And did we deserve to lose? Probably not. The painful rebuild, I think, is a completely different kind of conversation and I don't really think it relates to this season like this season should not be a write-off At the end of the day if you're in contract you do your job yeah whether on. or not you want to play for Spurs I mean you are contracted to play for them and they none of them really should have an excuse not to they're on stupid money it's they shouldn't have any bad blood I know Poch puts a few of the players on a naughty step but that doesn't mean the season's a write-off Sticking with you, Talia, we're going to try and dissect as much as we can about Pochettino, about the players, where the actual the blame should lie here. But just on Maurizio, you know, for me, I've always backed the man. I think, you know, from day one, as much as he's progressed the club domestically, there is that question mark, the latter about trophies. But when you look at that game, maybe in isolation, you know, we make five unenforced changes from Olympiacos. When Yama comes on in that game, at fault for both the Leicester goals, an awful substitution. We wait to the 85th minute to introduce Lucas Moura. We blow a lead for the third time this season. Whilst I'm in love with a man, and I still think at the moment he's the right man for the club, can you understand supporters questioning if he is the right man long-term? I do. I mean, it goes back to that same negative cloud, though. I don't think people really hate Poch. They hate the situation that we're currently in they hate our form they hate the, the situation with the contract they hate that Levy hasn't bought you know the biggest and best players that he can I think it is bigger than Poch all these people calling for his head who do they genuinely think is going to come to Spurs deal with Levy and all the silly and stupid rules that he has and transfer budgets and etc and do and do a good job I think Poch the, the biggest thing for me is this whole project that's been going on for the last five years, it's expired. When that project started, the players were young, they were ambitious, they were happy to be a part of a bigger picture and learn from Poch and each other. And ultimately now, five, six years on, the player's goal is different. And, and I think that is generally the same for Poch 
the staff as well as the players. And that is what has led to such disappointment. Mm. I also don't think that the interviews that Hugo as a captain and Poch as well, what they say is good enough, where it's all like, we're different from the others. We have different goals. And it's like, do we? We don't. We've been in finals, we've been in semi-finals, and we have still won nothing. So we've time's got to give. We've got to do something. And I think ultimately our like our mission almost needs to change. And unless those players and Poch come out and actually say we need to win, I don't think the expectations of the players is gonna change and I don't think we're gonna actually achieve anything. Mm. That's a fair point you made there. You make a- yeah, you make you make a great point. It's, and I don't I don't think it's just the players and, and Poch that feel the that project has expired. It's it's the fans as well because I think most of us bought into that. We knew new stadiums coming. We were a Europa League club, um, just trying to get into a Champions League. Then suddenly we were thrust into a into a title challenge. And then the following season, that last one at White Hart Lane, we suddenly what eighty six points. Yeah. We get into a Champions League final. And so now, having not got anything to show for it, I think, you know, the fans are in that part as well. And and the argument of where Poch has taken us from, you know, if you look at it over the six years, he's taken us from from being an also-ran club, if you like, to a, yeah. to a challenging club. But the problem is, if you then judge it over the last three years, you think we've been in two title challenges in a Champions League final. And this year, we look like we're in a battle for a top four place. And we, if we didn't get that, we're back mm-hmm. exactly where we were then six years ago. And that's that's the problem that we're facing. I think for me, it's like the way I like to look at it is I think this is now the second phase at Spurs for Poch. And um, like you said, like we've the first one was to build the stadium. We got that. We've got the best like training ground um, and whatnot. But I feel like the next thing we have to do is just actually back the team like buy much top class players for Poch to use because I'm trying to think now when were the last time a team became a dominant force by building from scratch and not spending any money realistically you're probably looking at Ferguson with Man United in the 90s like early 90s yeah it was the last time that happened like Monaco had a one-off in their league but then their team got dismantled apart for this day and age it's going to be almost or next to impossible to build a team from scratch and keep up especially with these players because like you said in the next year we could lose Ericsson, Toby, Rose, Aurier, Wanyama, Vertonghen like all these players could go and they could have been part of the first phase and done it brilliantly but now I think we need to seriously spend more on top class players to get ready for that next step to be able to compete with it. Like, I hate the thing. Like, I hate the thought of it because I always had like a go at City and uh, Liverpool before for spending so much money. But unfortunately, that's just the way things are going. And we're not going to be able to compete unless we do that. I think we've always been keen, George, haven't we, to try and do things organically. That's one thing. Yeah, being a supporter, we've loved seeing this team grow with very little money being plunged into it and more of the coaching methods of Pochettino and the way to develop these players. But I have to ask you, George, when you look at our form, mm. in our last nine away games, we've racked up just two points. We haven't won away in the Premier League since March. Spurs have only won five games in the Premier League since January. Just in your mind, George, mm-hmm. where are you on the fence with Maurizio? Do you see a lot of it? It's more the players than him. Where are you on that? Uh, for me, I think it's, uh, I'm still totally potching. I still believe him because at the end of the day, I think he's an unbelievable manager and he's done incredible with what he's got. I think it's to do much higher up with them not spending unnecessarily the right the right players or getting the world-class ones in to, to properly compete. Um, and then 
So I guess the part of the blame then goes on to some of the players now because obviously like a lot of them want to be out and they seem tired and don't want to play. But then realistically, we do need to start then thinking about the next players that are coming in to take over, the next top players coming in. And as much as I love the signing of Ndombele, I think he's classed a lot of world potential, where was that six months ago when we got rid of Dembele? Like that's yeah. effectively his replacement and should have happened a long time ago. And then we're buying players, loaning them back. Lacelso has instantly been injured. Sessignon has been injured, came back and injured straight away again. So we haven't even seen him play. Like realistically, we haven't added much to the squad. Mm. And I feel like we need to we need to sign certain players. Like, I don't know, Diabala just as a massive statement. I think we're missing a winner. Like we don't yeah, I agree. need winners <laughs> in yeah. our team. And Poch is also not a winner. And I don't think he's going to become a winner until there's also winners on the pitch because it doesn't come from the top up and there's no one in the dressing room really that's won anything or Hugo but I mean by his interviews he's not much of a winner either it's weird I mean a lot of the players elsewhere they've won trophies they maybe haven't won Premier Leagues as such but we've got let's say a load of questions in let's read some of these out more statements this is from a man called Uncle it says it's sad people forget where we were before Poch players need to take some responsibility to find that fighting spirit and bounce back Stalin Spurs says it really pains me to say this but I think we're nearing the end of Maurizio Pochettino Spurs if a few more results like that come in he may be gone we're going to be lucky to finish mid-table this season if we keep this up we've lost all the consistency in the game sad to see David Williams says if Spurs sacked Pochettino and got Allegri or Mourinho in and they got rid of players like Wanyama players that don't have the right mentality and got winners and leaders in back to what Talia is saying then I think we would start being a winning club not until that happens Pochettino is nice but he is not a winner Jason on that point just to bring this statement about Maurizio in the form Spurs have only beaten in the last 18 Premier League games Palace twice Brighton, Villa, Huddersfield, all at home. That's one game short of half a season. I'm still very much, Jace, for me, Pochettino win. I, you know, I, at the moment, I feel very uncomfortable going along the lines of that we should let him go. Because for me, you know, he's had numerous times in his career so far at Spurs to walk away from us, but he has stuck around and repeatedly took us to places that we should maybe have never been. I think he deserves the opportunity now to put things right are you with me on that, Jace? Yeah, no, absolutely I am. I mean, my my frustration as such, and I've, I've said it over the course of the last 18 months, isn't it? Is is in is enforcing that rebuild through. And, I, you know, I would have sold Toby 18 months ago. I would have sold Danny Rose 18 months ago. And everyone kept telling me I was, you know, barking mad to want those players out. But I look at those players and think, at that stage, you've been there four or five. I mean, Danny Rose's case what, must be must be ten years now, isn't it? And haven't achieved anything, and they're not getting better. And I think that the key when you're trying to build a, a, a new side, Tottenham two point and um, you know, you mentioned Ndombele came six months too late. For me, he came a year too late. It's that you phase Dembele out and you replace him while he's still at the club, but he, Dembele becomes your backup. Danny Rose becomes your backup left-back. Toby becomes your backup centre-half, if you see what I mean. You don't wait for those players to peak and start the downward curve before you replace them. It's the timing of those replacements. And we just haven't... And, you know, Christian Eriksen's situation has gone on, you know, all through last year. It's, it's looking at that two years ago and thinking, if he's not going to sign, I need to do something about it. But we've... We allowed those situations to drift in, in all those cases. Victor Wanyama should have been gone last summer, 
not the summer that's just gone, the summer before when he, he hardly kicked a ball, did he, last year and things. Mm. So, you know, from the moment he got injured in that, that Chelsea game, which was what our first or second game in the Wembley season, that first season he got injured and he lost the ball on the edge of the box, hardly kicked a ball the rest of that season. He should have gone at the end of that season, not not the one that's just finished. And by by holding those players for so long and the, and Pochettino talking about the painful thing and you and me had the big Barney about Danny Rose all, all summer. And I, I said, yep. it's time for some of these to move on. However good we think they are, they've got to be replaced. And I, I fear that we've left it too late to replace them. And now you've got the staleness and the unhappiness and, and several players like that that are, are still stuck at the club. And that's that's where we are now. I was going to say, I totally agree with you about the timing of the transfers because we, we seem to have done that with our youth well. Like we brought in Harry Winkswell, got him like a bit mm. of game time, Skip's done it a couple of times. Even Harry Kane thinking way back, like like just every now and again, kind of like introduced them into games. But I think if we did that with new signings, that would be a brilliant way of get otherwise look what's happening we're signing them on deadline day after the current players have passed it and they're going to need a year to adjust six months to adjust or whatnot which means we can't win a league on a player that's played well for six months Jules mm. sticking right. with you I'll, I'll yes. ask you this question you know, when Yama was on his way out hadn't mm-hmm. played a minute for the first team then Maurizio decides to bring him in with 30 minutes left in a crucial away game we've got a question here from Lily White Rose John is a regular on our show he says why is Wanyama who we agreed to sell for only him to ruin the deal with his greed, getting minutes over Dyer and Skip. Can you answer that question? Honestly, it baffles me. I think Pochettino must love him or something, or he's got something against him, because I would have picked Dyer in terms of a holding midfielder ahead of him any day. Um, Lucas should have been introduced way earlier, so maybe he should have been the next sub. Um, I don't understand why a player that's been injured for so long, hasn't been a part of the first team for so long, is all of a sudden playing in a game where realistically we need another goal. It, uh, it baffles me. Just on that, you know, I fear that there's a lot more going on with Eric Dyer than, than any of us know. That maybe his intensity in training just isn't there and he's drifting. Because, you know, at Manchester City in the 1-1 draw, Eric Dyer was on the bench. He brought Oliver Skip on for those last few minutes. Mm. Do you think, sur- think th- surgery's got anything to do with it? Because, I mean, he might think... it might During training, he might seem fit and ready for a game. But on the day, it could be a different story. I mean... I don't then, what, then why be on the bench? That's true. No, but I know that why kind of goes back bench? to the Deli Alley point, like you said before. I don't understand why there were three yeah. central holding midfielders when Deli Alley also is trying to get back into the team and is a creative player that we could have done with on that day. And he's not but even it, taken there. And the, the signal, you know, with Deli, you think, okay, he played in midweek, first game back for five or was it six weeks away, or first game of the season. You think, okay. He may not be ready to go to Leicester and play, but then it gets confirmed before the game. There's no injury issues at all. And he didn't even play the full 90 minutes. So you think, OK, anyway. I'd, I'd understand yeah. him being maybe left onto the bench, but not even to be in the 18. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that for got, me was a totally wrong decision. Yeah, you, as you say, you've got Wanyama, Skip and Dyer. And I'm thinking, what what scenario do those three come on in? I With mean, already you know, Sissoko, what, Winks and Ndombele on the pitch as well. So yeah, it's yeah. like... It would need to be Bournemouth, wouldn't it? With, say, Aurea sent off and and Toby stretched off and Sissoko sent off as well. So we're down to nine men or something. You, you just can't work out how the hell those three get on the pitch at the same time. Talia, I want to ask you a question back to the manager. You know, there are quite a few on Twitter. You know, we know Twitter can be quite a toxic place, but there, there is now what seems to be 
a bit of a split. There are some that are adamant that he can't take us any further forward. There are some fans, maybe like myself, that still believe he's still the right man if we can weed out the players that do not want to play for him and try and get him players that will stick by his philosophy, believe in this next project, which we seem to be calling Tottenham 2.0. But do we have to be careful with Telly? Because saying you want Poch out, who would realistically replace him? You know, you're going to be working under the restrictions in place at Spurs, you know, the way that he has been doing Maurizio. Now, we have to rely on him to change his background, don't we? For us, he's earned that right. Surely, if you lose him now, you risk going back to completely, you know, Spurs being, I don't say shit, but where are we going back to, Talia? Or am I looking at that being more scaremongering? Should I be more confident that we can attract a world-class manager and shouldn't be scared of losing Maurizio. What's your thoughts? I think generally as Spurs Spurs fans, we are all quite negative. (laughs) So automatically, I I just think, no, I I don't think we can attract the likes of Zidane or Mourinho. Why would they ever want to come to Spurs? I personally can't see that working from so many different points of view. And I think the, the bigger point here is it is Levy. It is not Potch. Until Enoch or Levy and whoever else is not at the top of our club, we will not be successful. All these people like Poch out, Poch with all the transfers, blah, blah, blah. It all resonates with Levy and whoever else is up there doing their stuff. Nothing will change unless they go. Because it's the same thing over and over again. They're not getting the players in. They want the best deal. They're asking stupid money for these transfers. Why are we holding on to Wanyama and Kudu, Janssen and all these literally nothing players for so long? It's all because of Levy. They are just so awkward. They ask for stupid amounts of money. And then did you read that interview about Sessegnon and Fulham and all of that when he came out saying how ridiculous it was to deal with Levy and all the small details that he was going into? Why would any managers want to work with him? I generally don't see it. I think he's the most intelligent businessman and he has done absolute bits for revenue and obviously everything that he's built. As a businessman, he's incredible. But as a chairman of a club who is supposedly a a local Spurs fan, he does not want what is best for us. I generally don't believe that. I I think Poch, of course, he deserves the chance to, to make things right. And I I do think he has the passion still there and he still wants to be successful. But there is no one to replace him. And I still think he is the right man. I just think that the dressing room needs sorting out. He needs a slap. (laughs) Something's got to give because obviously we're in a spiral of negativity and nothing is changing. But I, I think all these people calling for his head just haven't thought about it properly. If he goes, we're going to end up in an era where we were however many years back. We'll be unstable. We won't have a manager. There'll be players leaving because they won't want to play under them. And the whole thing will just go a bit wild. Mm. Like, it's not the answer. I I don't Mm. think watch out is the answer. And anyone that does should sit and consider it because I think it is a rash decision and it is like you tweet when you get angry after a game and everything that you say in the kind of spur of the moment. If he leaves... You sit and think, what the fuck have we done? Because you don't really want him out. It's just we're not producing results. And the reason is why. Is it Poch? Is it the players? Or what is it? Like, is it really just Poch? All the fans that are like Poch out, their instant reaction to say, okay, let's just get Mourinho in. He'll win us. He'll win us trophies. He'll win us cups. (laughs) 
the whole situation he had with Man United is because he didn't feel backed by their owner. I need to remind people that he spent 150 million on Lukaku, Matic, and someone else in one summer. Yeah. And he still didn't feel backed. We just had our best summer spending 60 million on a Nobele. You think he's gonna? <laughs> you think he's gonna put up with Levy and not spending all of exactly. that on players? Exactly. That, that was my never point, happened. George. That was my point. I mean, my concern is that you know you're talking about a, a chairman, um, Daniel Levy. Look, just on my point, for me, I think Daniel Levy does do things in the best interest of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. As supporters, we may not always agree, but I do believe that he does try and act in the best interest of the football club. And some of his decisions have sometimes held Spurs back. They've been for our benefit. But just to pick up, George, on the point you made there about Mourinho, you know, I put out a tweet on Saturday. I I did say that if you think Jose Mourinho would accept not signing a player for 500 days, I think you would be crazy. I mean, you're looking at a situation where Mauricio has had to coach these players to get them better, whereas Mourinho, he actually wants to go and buy winners. And I'm not quite sure the budget would be there to give him £200 million to go and completely change this squad. And that's what Mourinho, you think, would want, wouldn't you, George? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, he would want he would want to go into the team, say, all right, uh, I don't know, just for example, like Rose, you clearly, or you wanted to, or Oreo, you wanted to leave, get him out. Okay, I want the next best right back to come mm. in. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, that will be 50 million if you're comparing to Wambasaka. We're not going to spend 50 million on a right back. And that's a right back position. <laughs> Think about everything else you'd be demanding as well if he wants to get, get rid of any so-called dead wood and then replace them with top players. We won't provide that. And just quickly going back onto like the Levy and like the spending, I think he's done amazing for the club with the whole, with the stadium, um, the training ground and whatnot. But realistically, that's set up for like American teams and how NFL franchises are made by spending money on things making it look good. It works over there because the winner of the, the Super Bowl changes every year for like the NFL, for example. Over here, the only way you can dominate is by spending on the top players and winning trophies. Because at the end of the day, that's how football teams are judged on winning trophies now. Yeah, I agree. So I feel like the main thing for me is that we just need to spend on like the top class players to move into the next phase of the club to then truly start challenging for this title and becoming a dominating force. Agree. Jace, to finish up on the Pochettino subject, just to, again, some stats out there, Spurs without a win in their last nine away games in the Premier League. They last had a longer winless away run back in April to December of 2006 and we failed to win three consecutive away Premier League games when we were leading at half-time for the first time since March 2008. Jace, finish up on this subject with Maurizio. Tell me, where do you stand and where is the way forward for us? I think it's his call. It's we know it's a painful rebuild. I mean, you know, you look at the the end of this season coming and players leaving for nothing, and lots of players leaving, and and the the huge the huge uh, amount of spending we'll need to do as a net spend this summer coming up. And I think you have to you genuinely have to say to Pochettino, do you really want to go through it? And for me, if Pochettino said yes, I'll commit. And I will do the rebuild, and it's going to be another two, three years, or whatever. Then, then so be it. But what we can't do is have Pochettino in place to start the rebuild, to then pull the plug on it six months after that, and then you've you've wasted that time. So I think you have to have the genuine conversation with him. I would love him to do it, but if his commitment is now that you know what time's come to the end, and I don't think it's going to go the way we want it to do, then I'd sooner him. I'd, I'd hate Pochettino's last year to be a year where the club just drifts in the type of form that we're in and our memory of Pochettino becomes, you know, an Olympiacos-type fixture where it's 2-0 yep. up, 
we throw that away and some of that football in the week was 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 just dreadful to watch mind-numbingly slow no aggression on the pitch and I don't want to have a high against Palace by Olympiacos a high in the next game and then we play Southampton at home and it's dreadful to watch and we win one we lose one we draw one I, you know I don't want that to be Pochettino's last season so you know I'd, I'd love him to do the job but I fear you know that whether he's got the energy and the and the real the real hunger to do it all over again is 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 what the question should be do you reckon he needs to refocus on like winning the FA Cup this year instead? Because obviously we've known his comments before about it saying he effectively wants to focus on the biggest trophies. But if he could finish this year winning us the FA Cup and then have that step just done that gets the trophy out the way and then stick through the rebuild to try and become champions in a couple of years. Do you think that's something he needs to do? Or do you like, well, I don't know what. I agree, George. I think winning that first trophy, I keep saying this, that when Spurs win one, then that will give them belief, I think, as a squad to go on and win more because they haven't had that yet. This squad mm. do, not want, do, know, do not know what it's like to win. And they, only are, they are only going to know what it's like to win when you win that first trophy. Whether that's bringing in players of a winning mentality. I mean, let's be honest about it. We're 90 minutes away in a Champions League final from winning the biggest trophy in the game. This is the most ridiculous thing. We've got to multiple semi-finals. We, we aren't far, are we? But it's just a question whether Maurizio has got, as Jason says there, you know, the courage, the strength, the hunger to oversee now this next phase of Tottenham. I mean, time will tell. It's going to be, you know, interesting to see. But just on Jason's point there about the performances, I find it very uncomfortable at the moment to call for his head. When you look back at how emotional he was at that Champions League final, you see the man in tears and you think, God, do we not owe him the time just for the moment to try and see if he can turn this around? You know, a lot of it, as I've said, is to do with the players. We are going to come on to more of the substitutions during the Leicester review in a second, but I find at the moment that I can't help myself thinking back to, and maybe I'm being sentimental here, when I see those images of the Champions League final and just how emotional he was to then sit there six months later and call for his head. At the moment, I feel very uncomfortable with that, but time will tell. We're going to go for a very quick break. When we are back, we're going to try and do our best to review that Leicester game and also look ahead to Colchester United to come in the Carabao Cup. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back after this very short break. And leading us into the break is Anna with the latest review on the Spurs women. I think it's fair to say it's been a weekend to forget for Tottenham Hotspur, both for the men and the women. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. And it looks like it was not Spurs weekend this weekend, I must say. Spurs Women played against Reading Women in the Continental Tires Cup at home at the Hive and we lost 4-0. Now, <laughs> before I get into the game, uh, just a couple things I wanted to note. One very exciting thing was that I was in the programme in this game and that was so exciting. So if you were there and you got a programme, then oh, you would see me on there. It's, oh, it was so good. I got asked if I could do a fan Q&A and I, am, oh, I love it so much. So yeah, I'm very, 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 very pleased and grateful that I got this opportunity. So yeah. Other than that, I had a nightmare with ticketing and, uh, and after actually posting about that on social media. Other people have reached out to me and said that, yes, unfortunately, Barnets are not very well known about their ticketing and it can be a problem at times. And also, the parking has gone up from £1 to £6 this weekend. So, as much as I would like to encourage you to come down and watch the women play at the Hive, please be aware that uh, the 
the parking will be six pounds and the ticketing may or may not work. So um, something to bear in mind. But nevertheless, I would encourage you to come and support Spurs women. Just bear in mind these things. Now let's get into the game. Uh, the team was decent. We put we changed a little bit from last week. Mainly we couldn't play Furness because she's on loan from Reading. So obviously she couldn't play against her uh, mother club. But uh, the rest of the team was fine. We made a change. Lucia came in instead of Siri on the left. And um, Josie Green awarded a start after coming on as a sub last week. And she looked really good uh, as a sub. So she got a start. But it was pretty much a similar team. Oh, Jenna started as well. Jenna, our captain, Jenna Scalacci. So I was very actually, I was excited about the team. It was nice um, to see a couple of the players who we've already seen before. Um, so yeah, I was really looking forward to the game. It was exciting. And actually, we kicked off really well. First five minutes, we already had two shots on target or at least two chances. We looked really, really um, sharp and fresh. I was super excited. However, we lost control and the possession was hard to come by after that. After half an hour, Reading scores and honestly it we didn't look that bad we just we just couldn't keep the ball we as I said possession was hard to come by and we just couldn't we couldn't do anything even if we when we got it so anyway at halftime I was still fairly positive like you know it's only one nil there's no reason why we can't come back at, back into this and I felt like there's more we could take out of this game however almost right after halftime uh, Lucia makes a suicidal pass across the box which does not find a Spurs defender it finds a Reading forward and she starts it into the back of the net and Becky Spencer could not do much about that unfortunately so there goes 2-0 and then pretty much within a couple minutes it's 3-0 from a corner which we just did not defend and it actually went in as an Ashley Neville own goal because too many players in the box um all of our defense all of the times we had to defend the corner. We pretty much put all our 11 players into the box. And I was very confused about that. And almost, I'd say 80% of the players on the pitch were in the six-yard box. So it was very confusing. I'm not surprised the keeper could not do much with that. It was terrible defending. Um, we need to we need to sort that out somehow. But uh, that was 3-0. And then at that point, I was saying to my friends that whatever Reading do, it turns into a goal. And honestly, I don't know if this is commentator's curse or something, but... Two seconds later, uh, Reading forward is running through our defence and slotting it into the back of the net, making it 4-0. And I was just like, why did I have to say that? Anyway, that was 4-0. And that was pretty much within the first 15 minutes of the second half. It just, it seemed like so rapid fire. Like at 2-0, I was saying that, okay, this will be a steep hill, steep battle, but we might still be able to get back into this or get something out of this. And then 3-0, I was like, okay, this, this game is over. And then obviously at 4-0, I was like, well, let's just damage control and not concede any more goals. And we didn't. So there wasn't much else left of the game after the fourth goal went in, I must say. We made some subs, but honestly, they did not make an impact whatsoever. Uh, so it looks like the men and women pay very similarly because last week they both won. This week they both lost. Our subs made no difference. And yeah, so um, Tottenham way, isn't it? Anyway. Um, let's think about some positives. I think the best thing was that this was only the cup and at least the league isn't affected by this. We played against Reading, who are a very good side. Um, they're one of the stronger teams for sure. So overall, they're not, they wouldn't be one of the teams I'd expect us to finish above. So it was a good experience to play against them. I think our fitness is still lacking. Hopefully, um, you know, more games and more match fitness will, will help with that because um, we just looked tired, especially towards the end. Like Reading was still pressuring, putting a lot of pressure on us and they were closing us down very quickly. They were getting to any 50-50 balls and we just couldn't keep control. So that's something to take away from it. 
And um, and then we go again next week against West Ham at the London Stadium. So here's another game that is played at the Mother Club's main ground. So if you've got the opportunity to, then I would highly recommend you go down there to the London Stadium. It's a little bit of a trek, obviously. Not our favourite place to go to. Oh, take your binoculars as well. But, um, but yeah, go and support the women if you've got a chance to next week. And that was pretty much it from me. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Come on, you Spurs women. We just want to say, guys, we have teamed up with Profit Accumulator. Now, Profit Accumulator teaches people how to make some extra money doing something called match betting. Now, just to be very clear, this isn't gambling, but if you do it correctly, you cannot lose. And if you're sceptical right now, the system itself has been covered by major websites like Money Saving Expert, The Daily Mail, The Sun, Vice, The Guardian and The Telegraph. So it is completely legitimate. So you're going to ask me, how does it work? Well, like any business, bookmakers try to attract new customers by using promotions. And the main way they do this is by using free bets and bonuses. Profit Accumulator helps its members take advantage of these bonuses to make a profit. So let's say, for example, a major high street bookmaker like William Hill is offering a £50 bonus to new customers. So you would sign up and as you might place a £50 bonus on a coin toss landing on heads and a £50 bet on the same coin toss landing on tails, whichever way it lands, it doesn't matter. You won't win any money, but you won't lose any either because you've covered all possible outcomes. However, you then get your £50 sign-up bonus, so you've actually made a £50 profit. That's the basic idea of how it works. Now, just to point out, Profit Accumulator employs a team of experts who source every available free bet offer and then write up the strategies to turn them into cash. There are hundreds of free bets to take advantage of with dozens more every day. You don't need to know about anything sport-wise or placing bets. It doesn't matter if you've never placed a bet in your life before because Profit Accumulator, they walk you through the whole process step by step and give you a suit of tools that make the process very easy to deal. Now, as long as you follow the instructions, you really can't lose any money. They're rated excellent on Trustpilot. There's a seven-day-a-week support network, including phone, email, and a thriving members forum, should you have any questions or queries. But I think what must be made clear is match betting won't make you rich, and most just use it to make some extra money every month. But there are some members who, <laughs> astoundingly, have made tens of thousands of pounds over an extended period of time. Now, here at the last one on Spurs, we've got a fantastic zero obligation free trial where the Profit Accumulator team will teach you how to make money with match betting. Completely free of charge, the free trial will walk you through three separate free bet offers worth up to £45, and that's just for starters. Now, from there, you can either walk away with your £45 and buy yourself something nice, or you can even make more money by joining their Platinum membership, where you can get access to everything that they offer, including their forum, which explains how some of their customers are making free hundred pound or up to a thousand pound a month stop missing out get started today with profit accumulators zero obligation free trial to see what it's all about and earn yourself up to 45 pound in the process just head to www.profitaccumulator.co.uk 
forward slash last word on Spurs. Hello there. Welcome back to the last word on Spurs. Right. We've done the Pochettino debate and that's surely going to rumble on. We're going to discuss next the game itself against Leicester. Talia, I'm going to start with you. Just to reflect on the team news ahead of the game, Hugo Lloris's wife gave birth. That's the reason why he missed out. There was no injuries for Deli Alli or Davinson Sanchez, but just Pochettino rotating them after recently returning from injury. We saw Gazaniga make his first start of the season with Rose and Uria back in at left and right back, respectively. Eric Lamella also recalled to the team, along with Winks and Sosoko, in a 4-3-3 with Harry Kane captain in the side and Eriksson on the bench. Talia, when you saw the team, what was your thoughts? My first thought was, I thought Poch grew some balls and benched Eriksson. After that performance midweek, he was so awful. And you know what he does. He doesn't sub him off. He does classic Poch things. And when I saw that lineup, the first thing I saw was no Eriksson. And I, and I was generally like, thank god because that actually shows like something's clicked in his head i mean for me when i watched that olympiacos game when he wasn't taken off i just didn't understand it and i said i hope he's benched for the next game because he can't play like that and when that lineup came out i think i mean i saw it from everyone as well they were so happy i saw a few people being like oh we're nothing without ericsson it's like oh but can we do it like we're so uncreative and it's like well, I mean, when Ericsson plays how we did, do we really want him as a bypass on that starting eleven? No, we don't. I mean, Gaza in goal, I mean, I wasn't really worried about it. He's proved... Until you watched him, him play. <laughs> yeah, until he was the most nervous thing I've ever seen. Oh, and it was dear. shocking. But yeah. my initial kind of thoughts were fine. Back four, fine. Obviously, really happy to see Aurier back because he was on such a good run. I think Winks was absolutely superb and he deserved his place. Lamella as well, actually. But I think the biggest question mark for me, as most people, Lucas. Mm. Why is Lucas Mora on the bench till the 85th minute? Yeah. I get he wants to rotate. If you want to rotate, fine. But why are you waiting till the 85th minute to put someone who is one of our best players, if not of one of our most goal threat potentials, on? Especially when they are dominating us in that half, it was, it was such a strange decision. But when I first saw the lineup, it was, I thought, Meh, it was alright. Considering circumstances with no Hugo and stuff, I thought it was fairly decent. George, was you concerned by maybe the lack of creativity, Ericsson not being in the team, or the same Italia after his performance against Olympiacos? You were quite happy to see him benched. Yeah, I was happy to see him benched. Um, I think that was the right decision to drop him. The the lack of creativity, I think, also didn't help that Deli Ali wasn't taken. Um, and I think Lucas definitely deserves a start. And like you said, it, it seems to be happening that Aurea had an incredible game against Crystal Palace, didn't get taken to Olympiacos mm. at all. I didn't feature at all. Then you've got Lucas, had a great game, scored a great goal against Olympiacos, dropped and then didn't come on with the 85th minute. Like, How are these players supposed to carry on their forms if they're not being played at their peak and when they're doing well? And the, it's the dropping and changing that is the inconsistency that gets me, to be honest with you. It's funny you say that, George. There's a question here from sticking with you, Johan Eckeland, who says, why is the players going in and out of the team selection and starting 11? The inconsistency is the main problem. We've used a large number of players now and keep dropping points. Surely it's now keeping to, you know, eight or nine of the same players, isn't it, George? Yeah, all the teams in the past couple of years that have done extremely well, well mainly Liverpool, Man City, have effectively kept the same team. Oh, well, in terms, especially the defence, more like, should I say, the defence with us, because we change our fullbacks almost every game. 
Um, whereas I feel like if we started Ori and Rose every game, they played every game that and would perform well. And then only if during the game they're, they're dropping, then bring on Davies or or whoever else you've got. And then if you look at Liverpool, every week it's Mane, Salah and um, Firmino. So why is it not Lucas, Son, Kane every week when they're the top three players going forward at our club? Mm. No, fair. I yeah, it's fair. I, I don't think you can argue too much what you're saying there, George. I mean, Jace, just to bring you in and interrupt with you about that starting lineup. What did you make of it, Jace? I mean, Ericsson on the bench, no Lucas Moore in the team. Was that what you were roughly expecting? No Deli Alley, no Davinson Sanchez? Well, we said Thursday that, that Miller would start, didn't we? And that um, Sonny would start. And I said to you then, logically, that means Delhi and Lucas Moore will be the two that, that drop out. I think the, the big problem we've got, I love watching Moore, I love watching Son, I love watching Kane. But we can't get the three of them into that team. And when we saw that, what was the the three played against Newcastle, didn't they? It was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. And that because I think because Moore and Son always want to come inside, it just gets too congested in there. And and I said to you off air, that whether we like it or not, Son and Kane do have a have an understanding. And you see that from the goal that Sonny's got the ball and it's a little back heel into the path of Kane. And Lucas Mora doesn't play that back heel. He goes on his own. Now, I, I'm not having a go at Lucas Mora doing that, but I, I have had the problem with Lucas Mora. We can't seem to get him in to a genuine understanding or a relationship with any of the other players in and around him. And that his goals tend to be individual, very individual type goals. They're cracking goals. And, and I love the goals he scores, but it's either his pace or, I mean, even those Champions League goals. You know, Delhi looks like he's overrunnable, and Lucas Moore almost takes it off of Delhi and puts it in. It's not a genuine or pass, I think, to Lucas Moore, and and that's the problem. We just can't get the three in together. So you think, can you leave Sonny out after the two goals against Palace? No. Can you can you realistically leave Kane out? No. And you see the goal that he scored, and so Moore is the one that drops out. And and it's not that I, I don't see Lucas Moore in the team. But we just can't get those three into the team and really functioning as a front three. That's that's our problem. I was absolutely delighted to see Ericsson on the bench. I didn't care if it made us less creative. I think when you've put in a performance like he did in Greece, you have to be dropped. Yeah, you really have to. And just, because if you don't drop a player for that, then then that sends a really bad message to the squad. And the two fullbacks, you know, for me, they wouldn't be playing. It just wouldn't be. The fact that Aurier played great against Palace, I just think one of those, when we're talking about the, the overall situation at Tottenham and trying to move forward, one of those wanted a move to wanted a move away and says, I have nothing to prove. Well, Watford wanted you, not a big club. And the other one says, I wanted away in the summer and I've got no competition for my place. And the message that that sends is the is the bad message that is running through that squad. And it's nothing against them as players. It's just their attitude. And I said to you, didn't I, I want a team that goes to Leicester with a real attitude. I don't care if it's not got creativity. It's it's time to put a real attitude on that pitch. And and players that, that have come out publicly and said, I've got no competition for my place and I've got nothing to prove. For me, they wouldn't be playing ever again. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? Just, it's very, hard, just, it's hard. just quickly on that Lucas thing, just I just want to bring back that is 
don't, don't we want players that have that kind of greed though? Like we're asking, oh, for, yeah, no. we're asking for these winners, and we are and like he does provide something so much different to what we already have. Like we've been craving a pacey winger for years now. Yeah. We thought we thought initially it would be Zaha, but we're about to settle for Lucas, and he's think he's done it incredibly. I understand yeah, what you mean by it's, it's hard to mix it's, in, it's just but... that I can't. It's, it, I love the player. I, I really like him, and the, the the big goals that he scored in massive games, he thoroughly deserves to start. But Sonny deserves to start. Kane yeah. deserves to start. More okay, deserves maybe, to maybe start. it should just be the. We just can't fit the three in. Lucas just probably just has to come on a lot earlier. Then I think it's probably the main, God, the, yeah. the main solution with that. The other thing I would say is I thought Eric Lamella had one of his better games for us for a long time. He looked really creative in the first half. First the time half. of his pass on that, mm. yeah, he faded as the game went on. But but actually, I thought you know the fear that we wouldn't create that Ericsson and that if Lamella's in the team actually wasn't the case in the first half, was it? Because we actually created numerous chances, and and actually even in the second half we weren't that. Uh, Sonny went through one on one, put one past a post. We had the goal. You had the the late save that Schmeichel parried out from Sonny. You had uh, Kane hitting it straight at Schmeichel. There was, I think, there was another shot. So we still had five or six good goal scoring opportunities in the second half, even though we weren't as good in the second half as the first. Talia, I'm going to bring it round to you just to talk about the opening goal or the non-goal rule out because Leicester did scrabble the ball over the line indeedy after a Gazaniga error VAR checked for offside which it looked rightly ruled out and at the time we were loving the VAR, it was all going our way Pochettino called for more intensity and motivation from his, from his players he certainly got that during the first half so Soko absolutely clattered into a challenge which he was booked for but on second viewing, you know, that was a perfectly clean tackle, you know it was a, beautiful a, a tackle. great tackle from Muta Sissoko and then minutes after that, Harry literally on the deck after what was a clear foul still managed to hit the ball into the ground and over Schmeichel Lamella unlocked Leicester with a great pass and Son back healed into Harry's path I mean there's a lot of love for that guy and rightly so tell you it's such a shame that we can't be talking about that goal on the back of a win there is, and I think it's one of those things, it's just the VAR issue over and over again though isn't it it's kind of swings and roundabouts it keeps coming and going and I don't even know what the answer is. I think <laughs> everyone's in agreement that it's just destroying everything. Yeah. And it's, su- it's such a shame because these goals, they are marginally offside. They're all your bloody elbow, or your shoulder, or your fucking fingernail. How are they <laughs> offside? It, we've got to do something. And I was listening to something earlier and everyone was just the same debate. And it was kind of like, can we just phase it out? And then it's like, oh, obviously we can't do that. Everyone expected this. And I, I genuinely don't know what the answer is, but it is ruining the game. I mean, we saw it again today. It was what, Chelsea? Theirs was it was slightly more offside than ours. I mean, George, the goal from Kane, though, back to it, that first goal, you know, that was all about mm. the quality and the battling. Orient and Sissoko linking up before Lamella plays a great ball into Son. He found Kane again, as I said, he, he seemed to bundle to the was bundled to the floor, but he's not accepting that. He hits the ground, swipes the ball past Schmeichel, Add to Talia, I'm just so gutted for Harry that goal is not being spoken about on the back of a win because it deserved to be a goal that wins a game. It deserves oh to be. That was a class goal. <laughs> How anyone could do that falling over is insane. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's fabulous finish. Fabulous finish. And Jace, you know, we saw some crucial touches by Vertonghen and Gazaniga to deny Vardy an equaliser. Gaza looked a little shaky at the time, but you would have felt that would have done his confidence a world of good because we're probably going to be expecting him back in the team for Colchester. And, you know, Harry winks for a second, Jace. I think he's one of those players at the moment that if you look at the Spurs team... He is one you can 100% say commitment, 
effort. It's there 100%, isn't it, Jace? Just on the go, actually, when I talked about Leicester's moronic fans earlier, it actually started with that ridiculous wild hoof that, I don't know which player it was, he just hoofed the ball across the pitch that the Leicester fans gave him a standing ovation for, and six seconds later, it was in the back of their net. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking clever play that is, isn't it, mate? I mean, you know, it got you a long way, that hoof, didn't it? And that just sums up Leicester fans who were singing... What was it? You're not fit to referee after he turned down a penalty for us. And you thought, oh, we now know where you're coming from. But um, yeah, Winksy covered every blade of grass. And I thought he's, that's that's what I mean by an attitude and a desire. That's what yeah. I wanted to see more, more than, more than quality and skill at the weekend. I really wanted to see that after, after Olympiacos and he stood head and shoulders above anyone in Olympiacos showing that. And he was, he was exceptional. I thought on the day, constantly wanting for it, constantly showing for it throwing himself into challenges, but with clever challenges. They weren't, he wasn't being reckless or anything like that. And, and that's what I mean. There was a lot more, I thought, of, of, of that attitude and the correct desire shown by the players. Um, and that's, that's what we need at the moment. I, I think if you get that right, eventually the results will turn and you get on that run and then you stay on that run. Whereas perhaps if you, if you nick a 1-0 win, but the quality of the performance is still bad, and the the attitude isn't right, then then it just papers a crack, and the following week you still get the same, and you still get the same. So for me, that desire has got to be the first and foremost thing to change. Mm. Tanya, what I loved about Winksy was that moment where Vertonghen and Gazaniga combined to keep Vardy out. He raced back to hug and we're at both of them for his efforts. I mean, at the moment, he is so pumped up, the young midfielder. And, you know, moments later, at the other end, he set up some for a massive chance, which he missed. Should we be focusing more on just Winks? He does get it, doesn't he? You know, Spurs boy, through and through, he's given absolutely 100% out there for Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. He is, he lives and breathes Spurs. You know, he loves the club, and that is exactly what we need more of. But he goes out to every single game, wanting to win, wanting to perform at his best, wanting to set people up and just do everything that he possibly can because he loves Spurs and wants to do the best for himself. But for the team, he is genuinely a team player. And I think that is what a lot of people don't have right now. And he is storming ahead of everyone else. And we're speaking about Winks so much because he is that person that is generally breathing fresh air into this team. And I think it's become so much more prominent with this you know, other players not being at their best. He has kind of stepped up and he's well beyond his years. Where I felt sorry for Winks is that BT were billing it as, you know, this is Winks v Madison competing. And I thought, I don't see that because Madison genuinely plays more as a number 10 and Winks doesn't play as a number. Winks plays as a number eight. And, you know, I think, why why are you trying to build this as a head-to-head clash? Because... They'll be, they'll be playing in totally different areas, really, of the pitch in their natural game. So I, I, I couldn't quite work that one out. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it was also actually quite unfair at the end because I heard a few people then kind of conclude that as being like, well, Madison was obviously better than Winks. Yeah. It's like, well, did you not see the stats that Winks did for us? Like, it, there's no comparison. Obviously, I do think Madison is a great player. And he had a really good game, fantastic. didn't he, Madison, in fairness to him? Good goal. Yeah. Exactly. But that doesn't and shouldn't take away from Winx's performance at all. They're not comparable, in my opinion. The thing with like a lot of people that are talking about Winx is that I, I know some Spurs fans 
don't rate him, and I don't, but purely because he doesn't get goals or assists. But that's not what he's there for. No, exactly. that's not, Dembele never got goals or assists. No, yeah, he was one of the best players Dembele. in our squad. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Winks is, is, I guess, building to be is that kind of player that you know is going to be so comfortable on the ball. He always drives forward and has been one of the best players this season so far, if not the best player. I think him and Lucas are like at the top for me. I don't think you saw, George, just on that point with Winks. Did you see after the game, social media, someone criticised him for not going over to see the, I think a kid made like a a banner asking for his shirt. And Winks, you know, the the message to him was so abusive. And Harry just responds with just the most kindest message saying, sorry, mate, didn't see you, but I'll make sure I send a shirt shirt on. When you see some of the messages that he's getting from supporters, you just wonder, our fan base don't deserve a player like that. It gives absolutely 100% and he's getting abused for it. No, I don't understand why it makes no sense to me. Like he doesn't, he doesn't owe them anything. He doesn't like. Let's be honest, he doesn't really owe that kid the shirt. Mm. Obviously, like if he's nice, he will do. It, and he genuinely didn't see it. There was no need to hurl abuse at him and call him certain words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he didn't give a kid a shirt after a game, after a loss that every player was feeling down. Like half of them, Vertonghen wouldn't have come over and given the kid the shirt if he didn't see Son do it in the first place. Like half the team wouldn't have done it. Like, would, do you want to after a loss like that? Sonny went over to the fans we saw at the end. I mean, it, yeah. it is difficult after a defeat. Sticking with you, George, I want to discuss the Aurea non-goal. You know, a deflected strike after being found by Kane. And then we did experience the very worst of AR. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing in it. I say nothing in it. It's actually been come out this evening that Son was 1.6 centimetres offside. You do feel in a way, George, with the VAR, back to what Talia was saying, that it surely has to stick to the clear and obvious or bring in a rule that does allow a certain amount of leeway because you know we're talking millimeters aren't we from yeah. one angle and that's why it's been ruled out yes yeah, it's, it's what what i like to think of it as is if you think about any sort of trying to get very technical here but like any sort of like mathematical equation there's always like error taken into account and with these cameras the frame rates aren't enough to be able to know exactly when the ball leaves a player's foot, exactly where a player's shoulder or foot is. So there's got to be some error taken into taken into account when it happens. And when something's millimetres away from being offside, you can't tell if that's a true picture or not. And I don't understand why there isn't a, a clear and obvious cause, uh, like rule for this, but it is for other decisions because it definitely wasn't clear and obvious mm. and shouldn't have been shouldn't have been overruled and disallowed in my opinion. Jace, thoughts on that offside decision. Can you believe that was given? I can because that's that's the way it is, isn't it? And the clear and obvious thing is offside's not a subjective decision. That's what they'll say. So if it's one point six centimetres then then he's one point six centimetres. But my point is, is that no, I, I, it, I know. guess it's subjective because the, the camera is because not showing an actual true image. It's not yeah, necessarily like he might not actually be in that position. It's just a false image. The exact moment the ball is kicked is as you say, it's, it's down to to frame rates. Yeah, but, we never we never focus on that. We always focus on where the players' positions are or where <laughs> we never but focus I on. Suppose if, if, if you yeah. look at it in the if you look at it in the bigger way, if you say, Okay, we'll allow three centimetres or five centimetres or six centimetres, whatever it is. If you say, okay, six centimetres will keep our flag down, then someone's going to be 6.2 centimetres offside. <laughs> and then they're going to be saying, we see what we're arguing about the 0.2 centimetres over the over the agreed limit or something. And we'll just keep going like that. So, Is this going to work, Jase, long term? Just... I mean, that's the question. Is this going to work long term? <laughs> if Alabama Yang is given... 1.6 centimetres offside and scoring a winner against us and it's ruled out, are we going to complain? Mm. 
Well, there you go. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to decide on that VAR debate, but, you know, Talia coming around to you predictably, Leicester equalised minutes later after that VAR call. Pereira finishing at the back post and defensively all over the place, aren't we, Talia? Yeah, I mean, what even was that? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I know everyone's saving one yard mark, and I mean, he's rightly at fault. But I think the whole team were just like slapped in the face. And it is embarrassing. Like, I generally think it's embarrassing. And I think Leicester played really well. And, and they did. But I mean, from our point of view, I just don't understand what they're thinking at the back. And I think that also goes back to what we were saying is there's no kind of foundation to our team at the moment and with all this rotation they don't understand each other sometimes I think they just don't and that's what makes no sense about Wanyama coming into this team like he was to blame but the bigger picture is just it is a mess. Do you not think it was just a mess? Mm. It is. I mean, defensively, you see some of the goals we've conceded. They've all been very similar to that. You look at the Olympiacos. Well, the penalty as such. Players steaming in far too casual. I mean, George, defensively, it's just not good enough, is it? I mean, is there enough work being done on the training ground here? Or is it back to the case that, you know, we have to remember... Aurea, like Jason said, he wanted to go. Rose, they tried to force out. But Tongham was dropped at the start of the season due to fitness reasons. Alderweireld not signing a new contract. How much does that play into it with the goals we're conceding, do you think, George? Um, I think it plays quite a big part, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, the first thing I want to say is that I think we did not replace Trippier adequately. Um, I think, if anything, we've like effectively got worse in this position. I understand that Aurea has obviously played well. But there's been plenty of times, plenty of times last season, I remember um, Spurs fans calling for Aurea's head anytime he played or made a mistake. But now all of a sudden, because we got rid of Trippier, he's good enough. Well, in my opinion, we should have gone for a much, much, much better right back, like Hakimi at Borussia Dortmund, who also scores for fun as well, let alone defends very well. Um, so that's one area. Like, and, and even Aurea's comments, like you said earlier about him saying he's got no competition. Well, then that means he's going to be lazy in games because, you know, no one's going to take his position. That's right. Yeah. Um, Rose, if Rose wants out the door, he might just one day be, say, might be fed up and be like, right, why do I need to bother if I'm going to go somewhere else in January or the summer? Um, and the fact that Jan Vertonghen didn't even start the season because of whatever happened back room. I just I can't like, I can't really wrap my head around it. There's clearly something going on behind the scenes that we can't see. And I feel like it's, it's affected a lot of the defenders massively more than anything. Mm. I think Toby has been exceptional though in terms of everything that was going on with him at the end of the year on the pitch he hasn't really ever looked like he doesn't care yeah I agree with that no one's social media it probably is his PR team and it's probably not him but he is the only player out of the whole lot of them that openly wanted out or there was so much speculation about that generally looks like he still wants to still go on with his job yeah, and kind of like he it. does though and he, he cares and you can tell that he cares and I think that the others should learn from that because if he doesn't want to be there then I mean he's in the wrong field because he should be a bloody actor shouldn't he <laughs> <laughs> Jace just to finish up on Leicester we've got a preview Colchester as well they did take the lead Madison fired home a powerful low shot from distance which flew into the bottom corner he had plenty of time to do it Jace was you frustrated by the lack of closing down or are you giving the credit to Madison that was a good goal you've got to close him down but it's like I said when 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 Yama comes on he's just not got the mobility to get to him it, it, it's not that he didn't want to he just 
He's he's not played enough. He's not fit enough. But should he be, be on the pitch, Chase, in the on. first place? Should he be on the pitch in well, the first place? That was exactly what I said, wasn't it? Mm. I, I've, he shouldn't have even been on the bench. He wouldn't no. be anywhere near the squad to me. He's, yeah. He was gone in the summer. and We know why we wanted him gone. That's right. So, I, you know, I, Oliver Skip could have gone on there and would have, would have tried to close him down or something. And, and, you know, for me, every minute Victor Wanyama's on the pitch is a minute that you might as well give Oliver Skip, you know, or... or I don't care who it is. I mean, play Gazaniga in there next time or something. At least he'll close him down or, or something. You know, it's just Wanyama is a finished, finished footballer. Sadly, mm. he was a beast for us and I hate to see it, but he's finished as a footballer, as, as a Premier League footballer. And so, you know, that's what I meant by earlier when I said it wasn't that he had a bad game, Victor Wanyama. He played to the best of his abilities. It's just the best of his abilities are, are nowhere near Premier League abilities anymore. Mm. It is fascinating when the manager comes out in the summer and says, we're not a charity. And suddenly you're then introducing him half hour to go yeah. to hold a game out. I mean, I, I don't know where I, feel. I just don't I forgot he'd even said that about yeah. him. That's right. I, 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 just, not a yeah, I just don't know quite now he gets on the pitch. But anyway, we could be going round and round in circles. We've got Colchester to come. We're going to finish up with three quick listener questions. We've had so many in this week, guys. 91 questions. We've tried to trim them down and try and got your views. Again, if you're interested in sending a question, all you've got to do after the game is just tweet us that last word on Spurs on the question tweet. And we'll try and get through your questions each and every week okay we're looking at to Colchester but just to finish up on some questions quick fire these ones are Talia I'm going to start with you this is from Reggie Moore at Moore underscore Reggie who says how do we turn this form around what would you do if you were the manager mm, take them on a team bonding exercise I feel like they need a big slap around the face all of them and I mean he had that one hour team talk didn't he and the performance came out and that's not good enough so Sonic's got to change. He either needs to inject something into him or just... I generally don't think there's an answer. I don't know. Something has got to change, but if we knew, we'd do it. Mm. <laughs> Fair. OK, next question I'm going to send over to you, George. This is from Spurs at Spurs 3 who says, Do you think we are lacking a holding midfielder, which is exposing us defensively this season, as Winks and Dembele are not really defensively minded that can shield the back four, as our defence has been leaky for a while, without a Dyer or a prime Wanyama type of player? I, mean, I think definitely. I think if we can, if we're able to introduce Dyer and bring him back to the way he was playing a couple of years back, then mm -hmm. I think that would be a massive thing for our squad because it allowed Vertonghen and Toby just to have that little bit of breathing room. Like realistically, they're supposed to be the last line of defence, but at the moment they seem to be having to do everything. If we had someone like Dyer sitting in front of them, I think that could potentially solve a lot of issues. Okay, interesting. And final question of this week is from L Anderton at L Anderton. Jade's for you. He says, "What's your opinion on Undumbele? Looks to be massively struggling with the pace of the Premier League. Only shown glimpses of being the player we need." Totally agree with what he says. Off the ball, he looks looks horrendous at the moment. You know, it was embarrassing when he did the splits, wasn't it, in front of Leicester's fans with a with a rank crap centre half making him look like a, a complete idiot. And you just think, truth alive, you know, it was, it was pathetic. And that that's the problem with that defensive midfield role because we're all saying Winks has been probably a best player and he's the one that shows the most desire. And so if if you play somebody a proper holding midfield player against alongside Winks, where the hell are we going to put our sixty five million quid signing? I kind of disagree with you, to be honest. I, th I think Undombele has also shown glimpses of being class and a lot more skillful going forward in the middle than m many of our centre mids have. And it's yeah. something different to our game that we haven't had before. And I think, like, it, it, come on, he's like played in the league, league on. 
Mm. And he's going to need that time to adjust. But he, he's shown just in, just enough for me to think that he's going to be a very good player very soon. I think he will be, without a doubt. And, and I want him to be. But he looks he looks knackered, doesn't he, from the minute he walks on the pitch? You think, come on, boy, just yeah, he has, open up a bit. Olympiagos, he did give the ball away quite a few times early on. But I think he grew into the game more. But I know what you mean. I think... He's got, just got a little bit of catching up to do, and I think he could be, but towards the end of the season, become a, become a class player. Well, fingers crossed. Let's look ahead to Colchester. Massive game for all different reasons. I think if anyone listens to the show, um, there does seem to be, you know, on our panel, a lot of <laughs> a lot of questions about how important the cup competitions are. And Spurs will be looking to get their 2019-20 EFL Cup campaign off to a positive start on Tuesday night when we travel to Essex to face Colchester. It seems right, Talia. You're from Essex to ask you really what you think of this game going ahead. How big is this Carabao Cup fixture for you? We have to win. We've got to smash it. Mm. Whatever team selection he puts out and what I don't know how strong he'll go. I, I think it will be a weird selection because they usually are. What's weird? 11 changes, Talia? Mm, no, he'll keep Gaza. He, he, mm, I think he'll play. No, he'll change the back four. He might keep Jan or Toby though, as he normally has like a captain in the back, doesn't he? Just keep it strong. But it'll change pretty nine, eight or nine, I reckon. But we've got to win. Whatever happens, we have to win. And it's got to be a, a convincing performance because you see the likes of all the other teams. They put out strong teams because they don't disrespect their opposition. Obviously, it's Colchester and you don't need Kane or whoever to start. But... We've got to win. And if that means we've got to play some of our players, it means we've got to play them. Like, it's such a big game and, I mean, competition in general, really, that we've got to start as you mean to go on. Mm. And there can't be any of this, oh, we'll play a mediocre team because it's Colchester, because we don't care about it. I get rotation, but we've got to play a team that can actually win because they will be so hungry for us. I don't mean to be a pessimistic Spurs fan, but when I think back before Pochettino and we're on a bad run under a manager this is the kind of game that Spurs would somehow mess up and it, it does yeah. worry me mm. you know coming over to you George that the U's they've already knocked out Swindon Town Crystal Palace out of this competition they're currently sitting in 10th in League 2 after taking 15 points from their first 10 matches this is not going to be an easy game George and I just wonder asking you the question how many changes do you want to see and how many do you actually expect to see in that team I think this is for me the main thing that I want. I want the one thing I would love to see is Troy Parrott play up front. Mm, agree. I think he's a great, great young player and he's done unbelievably well for the Ireland under twenty ones and for our youth team. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to start him ahead of Kane, introduce him, see if we could potentially use him in the league because Wayne Rooney started at sixteen, Walcott started sixteen, um, a lot of other players started so young and he's what is he seventeen years old? That's right. Yeah. Um, I think if we can start slowly introducing him now, he would he could turn and become a great player because he held his own against Juventus and I know it's pre-season but he was still going up against the likes of Chiellini and doing very very well um, and considering that we don't really have that backup striker I'd love to see him play in that game but we still need a few first teamers just to have that solidity and I think I agree with Talia there that the either, either Vertonga or Toby have to be that in that back four at least mm. um, to kind of command the back line and make sure nothing nothing bad happens defensively I'd love to see some young players it's a good chance for it realistically and a lot of the a lot of the first teamers now are clearly frustrated with that game against Leicester, and it might be a good break just to introduce some some different faces um, in this competition. Mm, I agree. We're looking for a reaction. Jace, coming over to you. How important do you think it is to mix 
you know what, George, like George is saying there, I would love to see Troy Parrott start. But is it about getting the balance right here, Jace? Having a couple of senior heads in there to, you know, guide the youngsters because I always feel with Spurs in the cup competitions where we have gone out in certain games um, you look at the Crystal Palace one the season before and you go back even further than that you know we've gone out when we haven't had enough senior players in the team along with the youth is it about getting that balance right on Tuesday night it is, but the senior ones that play have got to have the right attitude haven't they I mean Christian Eriksen's a, a senior player but you know, if he plays and plays like he did in Olympiacos, what's been the point of that? That that's that's the thing. I think you know, Lucas Mora. I presume Lucas Mora will start. Yan um, or Toby will have to start because even if you pick Walker Peters one side and Ben Davis as the other fullback, who's with Foyth injured, Sanchez would come in. But you know, you, you've then got to play either Toby or Yan alongside Sanchez, haven't you? Unless Tanganga came into the side, and I, I don't really see him and Sanchez as being the the, the centre-half pairing. So it wouldn't surprise me if Sanchez plays at right back and maybe it's Tanganga and, and Toby in the in the centre. But, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's, we've never gone out to a lower league side under Pochettino, have we? I think well, don't say right that, Jason. Don't say that now. But, <laughs> but we've gone mightily oh, close at Rochdale and Newport and Wickham. That's right. Where, if, where the, all three of those games show, if your attitude's not on and, and the, the, other, the, the lower league side is really with it, how, how difficult it can be for you. So ideally we go there and do like we did in the FA Cup. We picked a pretty strong side, I think, in the FA Cup tie. A couple of years, Kane played up front, didn't he? even though it was a fifth round tie or something, or did we win four or five, one up there or something like that? And and that's what you've got to do, go and do the professional job. But, but we need a, we need a really good win of, you know, just to, just to lift people. And the thought of going out there is, oh, is uh, yeah. I don't even want to go down that road. Well, Jason, I was going to ask you, you know, on the back of that defeat to Leicester at the, at the weekend, maybe before that, how much in his mind would that team selection have changed in between kind of before Leicester and after Leicester now. Do you think he would have changed his mind because Spurs have only just won two of their last seven competitive matches this season? What do you think? I've got, no, got no idea what Leicester will have done. For his, I'd love to see Eric die and get a game, but but um, I mean, if Victor Wanyama starts the game, I think I'll be fuming, mate. But you know, I don't know what... I, it's, it's difficult to second-guess him at the moment, isn't it? I mean, none of us would play Sanchez at right back. None of us would have brought Wanyama on. But, you know, I, I just don't know where we're going at the moment with some of the selections. So it's, it's you know, we should have, let's be fair about it, whatever 11 goes out there, ability-wise, should be good enough to win it. It's but attitude, it's, isn't it? It's, it's the attitude, attitude part. Yeah, yeah yep. exactly. It's the attitude and the desire. And if we go a goal down, even more so, the attitude to really turn that around and say, come on, Let's sort this out rather than just being meek and mild and accepting it. OK, well, let's start predictions as we close the show. Talia, I'm starting with you first. You're going to be brave. What are you going for? 3-1. Mm, 3-1. Talia, can I just say, am I, am I allowed to say this on there, that you've got a dog called Potch? So Absolutely. he's got to turn this around, hasn't he, Talia? I mean, today I was... I mean, yesterday, not today. I was saying, I was like, bring on a, bring on a sub, go on. And he was just looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Even he's clueless. He Even he's clueless. So bloody clear what's happening. And I was like, go on. And he was just like, no, Talia, what are you on about? Potch is going to be the hero. My Potch, not the real one. I love it. Oh, God. I hope the real one's going to be real. I hope the real one is going to be the hero at some point. Heroes. Brilliant. Lovely. So what are you going for? Tell you that, that prediction again. Three one. Three one Spurs. Okay, George, what are you going for? I'm going for a solid 3 0. 
Three nil, a clean sheet. God, we we'd love one of yeah. them. Guys, need clean to keep the clean I think, sheet. I think we need. I think we need it. I think we need it. Agree, Jace. What are you going for? When you've got no idea what team it's picking, but yeah, I'll go. Gut feeling would be three one, but you know it's a real guess, isn't it? When you you have no idea what time that what lineup we'll get. I'm being brave. I'm going to go two one Spurs. It sounds like we are all backing Maurizio to get the result to hopefully change some of the mood because God, it is doom and gloom on social media at the moment. We God, we need this result. We really, really do. Talia, yep. thank you for coming on, making your debut. It's been a pleasure having you. I hope you will join us some point in better circumstances. Yes, thank you for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, it's been brilliant. George, thank you for coming on. George, where thank can we you. find your content? You know, we know what you do out on YouTube. Where, where can we find more of your content? Yeah, if you just uh, search George Achillea on pretty much all social medias, uh, all social, all this my stuff on YouTube, mainly my vlogs uh, for the Spurs games and more interesting content coming soon. So definitely watch out for all that, that stuff. George, you look so happy when we were one up. I mean, it's funny how the vlogs can change. Oh, I shouldn't say that really often, should I? Uh, it changes so quickly. <laughs> Yeah, within 10 seconds, you could be from really happy to almost crying. <laughs> that's that's life as a Tottenham fan, unfortunately. Yeah. Thank you, George. I hope you join us again throughout the season. No, definitely will. Thank you. You're a gent. Jace, thank you as always. Hopefully a bit of therapy, Jace, eh? God, I think a noose would do that, mate. <laughs> 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 well guys listen we are back this Thursday on Love Sport hopefully previewing Tottenham navigating their way through to the next round of the Carabao Cup keep the faith and as always come on you Spurs come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.